0: Chapter three Part two of the Markets of Paris by Emile Zola This LIBRIVOX recording is in the public domain The Handsome Fishwoman Part two Then Florent saw that he was in for it and realized that a spirit of insubordination was let loose among these people. He controlled himself, beckoned to one of the porters who carried the barrow for refuse, picked up the skate himself, and threw it in mother mehuden put her arms akimbo with a defiant air and la belle normande laughed again as florent walked away each day there was a new invention the inspector was obliged to watch what was going on about him as if he had been in an enemy's land one morning when he ran to separate two women who were quarrelling he was near receiving full in his face a quantity of small fish which were certainly thrown at him he at once concluded that the quarrel was a farce acted for the benefit of la belle normande who sneered aloud his old training as a teacher armed him with angelic patience he knew how to preserve an appearance of impassibility even when he was boiling with indignation but none of his pupils were as ferocious as these women whose enormous busts shook with laughter when he was taken in some new snare gavard would have enjoyed all this and would have fought his way through in triumph but florent was always more or less intimidated by women and the rough coarseness of these especial ones was intensely disagreeable to him he had one friend among them all and this was claire she declared that she liked the new inspector and greeted him always with a cordial smile he very often saw her with her blonde hair curling on her neck and on her temples and her skirts carelessly tucked up as she dabbled in her tanks and gave fresh water to her fish he always thought of pictures he had seen of bathers on a riverside with their clothes loosely huddled about them one morning she was particularly amiable she called the inspector to see an enormous eel that had astonished the whole market she lifted the grating she had prudently laid over the top of the tank at the bottom of which the eel seemed to sleep wait a moment she said i will show you she softly put her arm in an arm that was a little thin on which the blue veins stood out on the satiny skin when the eel was touched it rolled over Claire said she had always been afraid of eels and could never bear to touch them, but now she had learned to hold them so they could not slip away, and she leaned over the tank and let the water drip from her fingers. "'I must show you my carp,' she said suddenly, and opening another tank she lifted out a superb creature. "'They do not bite,' she said with her sweet smile. "'But I am afraid of crabs.' As she said this she took from a box nearby a crab but cautious as she was the creature evidently took a stronger nip than she anticipated for she grew very red and broke off the claw angrily although she did not cease to smile i would never trust a pike though they will take off your fingers as if with a knife and she pointed to a long row of pike arranged by their sizes the air was full of odors like those rising from a pond wherein grow water-lilies and tall reeds she dried her hands on her apron and smiled again Claire's sympathy was but a small consolation to Florent, for it only attracted a great deal of observation, and caused many disagreeable remarks whenever he stopped near her stall. The revolt in the market became each day more decided. Florent would have left the market but for his fear of seeming a coward in Lisa's eyes. I would soon bring them to their senses, said she one day after dinner. You are wrong to be so mild, Florent. Take a decided step, and you will soon bring them to terms one morning madame taboreau's cook was in the fish market looking for a barbel come and see me said la belle normande and i can find you something just lift that she continued laying in the woman's hand a barbel wrapped in yellow paper the servant regretfully said but how much is it fifteen francs answered the fishwoman the servant laid the fish down and turned away what will you give then name your price no no it is too dear I can't give more than eight francs. Then Mother Mahouden came to the fore. Did the woman think they had stolen their fish? And la belle Normande turned away her head. The woman came back and offered nine and then ten francs, and as she was going away for good, la belle Normande called out, Well, then, give me the money. The cook stood talking with Mother Mahouden. Madame Taboureau was so particular She had company to dinner that day, a cousin from Blois, a lawyer and his wife. "'You are going to clean that fish, are you not?' she said, interrupting herself. La belle Normande emptied the fish with one quick movement of her fingers, wiped the sand out under the grills, and laid the fish on the cook's basket. "'There now,' she said gaily, "'you are all right.' In fifteen minutes the cook was back. She had been crying.' she threw the fish on the marble slab showing a great tear in the belly a flood of tears choked her words madame Taboureau won't have it she says she can't use it and that i am a fool who allows myself to be robbed by everybody i did not turn it over i trusted you give me back my ten francs mother mehuden rose in her wrath do you think she said that we shall take it back you must have let the fish fall the servant burst into tears you are two thieves she sobbed just as my mistress said the mother and daughter were furious and the little cook sobbed still harder your mistress would like us to mend this for her i suppose sneered la belle normande florent arrived in the height of this quarrel which had attracted all the women from the various stalls as soon as he heard the story he promptly said give back the ten francs to this woman but mother mehuden meant to go to the length of her rope of course she cried and this is the way i shall give them to her and the old woman flung the fish full in the little cook's face this was too much for florent even la belle normande was thunderstruck as he exclaimed i shall withdraw your permit for a week and as he heard a loud hiss behind him he turned with so threatening an air that even la belle normande was afraid and recoiled when the mehoutens had returned the ten francs he closed the stall the old woman was choking with rage while her daughter was cold and white could it be possible that she la belle normande was ignominiously turned out of her stall claire said quite audibly that it served her right which led to a fierce quarrel that night between the two sisters at the end of a week when the mehoutens returned to the market they were very quiet and silent but from this time la belle normande cherished the hope of some terrible revenge she felt that the blow came to her through lisa who had given her so triumphant a glance the day after the battle that her rival swore she should pay dearly for it her child was growing up in the fish-market at home in every corner of it and among the shining mackerel and perch his favorite amusement when his mother's back was turned was to build walls and houses with the herring he also drew them up in a line of battle on the marble slab imitated a trumpet with his lips and then pushed them all together in a pile crying out that they were dead then he tormented his aunt claire and did his best to drown himself in her tank at seven he was the idol of the fish market and did precisely as he pleased when they showed him something which he considered absolutely entrancing he would clasp his hands and say ah it is too much and the name of much clung to him much was here much was there and everywhere he loved the running water like any fish and paddled about in it all the time often stealthily opening a faucet overjoyed at the spurting forth of the water and his mother would pick him up many times in the day wet through and through and blue with cold much at seven was as beautiful a child as was ever seen his chestnut hair lightly waved His eyes were as blue as forget-me-nots. All the frightful language of the hall fell naturally from the lips which looked so pure. He would put his arms akimbo and imitate his grandmother to perfection, all the time looking like the smiling Christ on the knees of the Virgin. The fishwomen nearly killed themselves laughing, and he, thus encouraged, generally wound up his sentences with an oath. But he was charming, because he was ignorant of the enormity of the words he uttered. Winter came. Much was very chilly that year, and took a great fancy to the inspector's office, which was furnished with a table, an iron safe, a sofa, two armchairs, and a stove. It was by this stove that Much delighted to establish himself. Florent adored children, and whenever he saw the boy wistfully looking through the window, he bade him enter. The first words uttered by Much astonished him somewhat. It is devilish cold, he said in his baby voice. And then, with a laugh which sounded like water running out of a narrow-necked bottle, he added, Do you really go every night to warm my Aunt Claire's feet? Florent found a strange fascination in this child. La belle Normande did not interfere, although she was herself very reserved. And Florent cherished the idea, finally, of bringing the little fellow up in a better way. He fancied himself back again with his brother Quenu in the old room in la rue Royer Collard. He found infinite pleasure in the companionship of this young creature to whom he taught the alphabet at once. Much showed the quick intelligence of the child of Parisian streets. He liked to look at pictures. He liked the warmth of the stove on which he could roast potatoes and chestnuts. But of this last he soon wearied, and he stole from his Aunt Claire white bait, which he hung on a string and ate when roasted without bread. One day he brought a carp. But this was too much for florent, who put an end to the cooking. At the end of two months, much could read, and his copy-book was by no means bad. In the evening at home, the child talked incessantly of his dear friend florent, who could draw trees and men in huts. The normande therefore lived, so to speak, in the intimate companionship of the man whom she would gladly have strangled. She went so far one day as to lock much in that he might not go to his friends but the child wailed so vociferously that she was glad to let him out. She was in reality anything but firm, in spite of her determined airs, and when the child told her how happy he had been, she felt a vague sensation of gratitude. And later she was more moved when he read to her a paragraph from a newspaper, which had wrapped a loaf of bread, and by degrees she came to the conclusion, though she did not say so, that perhaps Florent was not such a bad man after all. She felt for him a certain respect and no small curiosity. She therefore suddenly decided that it would be much better fun to be amiable to the cousin than to quarrel with him, and would make the fat Lisa much madder. What does your friend say of me? she asked much one morning as she was dressing him. Nothing at all. Well, then, tell him I am much obliged for his teaching you to read. Henceforward, the child always had a message to carry from the inspector to his mother or from his mother to the inspector la belle normande walked into the inspector's office one day while much was taking his writing lesson she was very gentle and very complimentary while florent was far more embarrassed than she they talked only of the child as there was some difficulty in continuing the lessons at the office she asked him to come to her in the evening then there was some question on her part of remuneration which he promptly refused she laughed and said that she should pay with her finest fish then thus was peace established la belle normande even took florent under her protection the inspector was accepted from that moment in the market the fishwoman saying that he was far better than his predecessor mother mehuden was the only one who rebelled under this new dispensation she still retained malice against this man of whom she spoke in the most contemptuous terms one morning when florent stopped at claire's stall she turned away petulantly and would not speak to him he was so surprised that he spoke of it to la belle normande never mind she said claire is always contrary and does this only to make me angry she had triumphed and went to her stall each day more coquettish in her costume and with her hair more elaborately dressed when she met la belle lisa she looked at her with disdain she even laughed in her face THE CERTAINTY SHE FELT OF ANNOYING HER OLD FRIEND BY TAKING AWAY THE COUSIN PUT HER IN THE BEST OF SPIRITS. AT THIS TIME SHE TOOK IT INTO HER HEAD TO DRESS MUCH WITH MORE CARE, IN SCOTCH plaids AND A VELVET CAP, FOR MUCH HAD GONE ABOUT IN RAGS. UNFORTUNATELY IT WAS ABOUT THIS TIME THAT THE AFFECTION OF MUCH FOR WATER DEVELOPED ITSELF MORE STRONGLY. THE ICE HAD BROKEN, THE WEATHER WAS WARMER, AND HE TOOK HIS USUAL BATH FROM THE faucets, ARRAYED IN HIS NEW GARMENTS his mother surprised him just as he had placed some small fish which he had stolen from his aunt claire in his velvet cap and sent them swimming down the gutter florent lived eight months in the hall these eight months after his seven long years of suffering were as a peaceful slumber his simple little office pleased him with its quiet and solitude but after those eight months had elapsed he became a little restless he was filled with a vague dissatisfaction at the emptiness of his existence and this dissatisfaction was rapidly growing into a certain nervous excitement. Every day was like its fellow. He was surrounded by the same odors and by the same noises. Through the hoarse cries of the auctioneers in the market, he heard the ringing of the distant bells. Sometimes he was detained in the markets until noon, arranging the endless quarrels and disputes. He saw huge baskets of cooked lobsters and gloved gentlemen lightly touching them further on were the women of the quartier bareheaded bargaining for their fish sometimes he caught sight of a lady followed by a servant in her long white apron his inspection always ended at the stalls which displayed the herring and the sardines from nantes on their beds of green leaves in the afternoon the markets were quiet and he shut himself up in his office and enjoyed the most agreeable hours of the day the fishwomen sat knitting behind their counters waiting on an occasional customer who came late hoping for a better bargain when night came the fish were all put away on beds of ice then florent was free to go home he carried away with him the smell of the fish in his clothing at first he did not suffer from this but as the spring came in it became very disagreeable to him and in time the smell from the fish market grew absolutely insupportable it seemed to him that he was haunted by the smell of food in his home as well as in his office it followed him through closed doors and windows sometimes in his restlessness he went down the wide stairs into the cellars dimly lighted by gas where the air though a little close was cool and uncontaminated by the smell which was especially obnoxious to him he stood by the side of the great tank in which the supplies of fish were held in reserve he listened to the incessant soft drip of water falling from the four corners of the central urn and this noise calmed him he was not at home either with the people. Their roughness galled him. The women worried him. He was only at ease with Madame Francois. She was so heartily glad at his having found a situation that he was quite touched. Lisa and la belle Normande made him uncomfortable with their laughs and significant looks, but Madame Francois was different. She laughed too, but her laugh was sympathetic. Besides, she was a courageous creature and bore her hard life well florent saw her struggling through the storm just at daybreak with the wheels of her wagon covered with mud up to the hubs and balthazar's very belly encrusted from the heavy roads between nanterre and paris the animal was always caressed and pitied rubbed off with straw and polished down with an old apron we have to be careful about colics she said ah poor old balthazar when we came over the bridge at Noilly, you thought you were going down into the seine did you not it poured then balthazar went to the inn but she poor woman sat in the rain and sold her vegetables the sidewalk was a sea of liquid mud the vegetables had none of the beauty that was theirs on sunny mornings and the vendor swore at the administration which refused to build them a roof on the ground that rain did not hurt vegetables no matter how merciless the rain might be however never did florent find madame Francois out of temper or discouraged She shook herself occasionally, like a water-dog, and said she was neither sugar nor salt, and should not melt. He insisted sometimes on her going into Le Bigre's, where they drank some hot wine. Her friendly face enchanted him, and the smell of the woods and fields which hung about her refreshed him. "'You must come to Nanterre, my boy,' she said. "'You must see my kitchen-garden. Never did you behold such time as mine, and never did I smell anything so nasty as your Paris.' and off she went with the water dripping from her at every step leaving florent cheered and encouraged he worked hard as in this way he kept within bounds the nervous energy which was his characteristic he was also very methodical and he shut himself up two evenings in the week to write his great work on cayenne he lighted his fire saw that the plants at the foot of his bed were sheltered from its heat and seating himself at his table worked until midnight he had pushed the prayer-book to the back of the drawer which had become full by degrees of notes and slips of paper and all sorts of manuscript the work on cayenne made no rapid advance as it was constantly interfered with by other projects he had in his mind a plan which would revolutionize the halles a new way of estimating the taxes and finally another plan as yet a little confused in detail a humanitarian law by which a certain amount of the vast supply of food which poured daily into paris would find its way to every household with bowed head he bent over his work in the soft subdued light of his attic occasionally a chaffinch which he had picked up one snowy day in the market deluded by the idea that the light meant morning would utter a few clear notes this and his pen running over the paper were the only sounds in the room unfortunately florent hankered after politics they had cost him so dearly that they naturally became most precious to him he under certain circumstances would have become a teacher in some little provincial town and been quite happy in his métier but he had been treated like a wild beast and he looked upon himself as consecrated by his exile to some great struggle his nervous restlessness was but the reaction from the long torpor of cayenne from the bitterness caused by his unmerited sufferings by his oaths to avenge the injustice from which he and all humanity in him had suffered he began to look on the hall as a great animal digesting a tremendous meal around him were solid figures and round faces offering a continual protest against his pallid face and emaciated form they seemed to say that peaceable people could grow fat and be comfortable he with clenched hands brooded over his wrongs until he became more irritated at the remembrance of his exile than he was at the time of his return to france he would drop his pen and think the dying fire lighted up his face and his lamp smoked while the bird with his head under his wing quietly slept sometimes auguste seeing a light under his door would knock and ask to come in florent opened the door with some impatience the young man would take a chair in front of the fire saying little and giving no explanation of why he had come all the time his eyes were fixed on the photograph of himself and augustine florent finally came to the conclusion that he liked to come to this room merely because his fiancée had once lived there one evening he asked with a smile if he had not guessed aright perhaps answered auguste in surprise the question having explained his own feelings to himself I did not think of it, and if I should tell Augustine so, she would only laugh, he said. When he talked at all, it was about the eating-house which he intended to establish with Augustine at Plassans. He seemed so secure of his future that Florent felt a certain respect for him, as for any fellow-creature who went straight to his aim. On such evenings, Florent was more discontented than usual, and only recovered his equilibrium when he had said to himself over and over again, But this Auguste is a perfect brute. Each month he went to Clamard to see Monsieur Valloc. The poor man lingered along much to the astonishment of Gavard. At each visit made by Florent, the invalid declared that he was better and almost ready to resume work. Florent sat by the side of the bed and tried to cheer him. He laid on the table the fifty francs which he had agreed to give up, and each time Valoc insisted he would not take the money. Then they talked of other things, and the money still lay there. When Florent went away, Madame Valoque followed him to the door. She was pale and small and very sad. She spoke of the frightful expense attendant on her husband's illness, the beef-tea, the Bordeaux and the medicines. And as tears filled the poor woman's eyes, Florent begged her to accept some assistance from him, without her husband's knowledge. She accepted fifty francs, but during the month she often wrote to him, calling him her saviour, filling three pages with her gratitude and ending by asking for ten francs. Finally the whole salary went to the valoque ménage. The husband probably knew nothing of it, and the wife was pitifully humble. This good action was his great joy. He concealed it as if it were something to be ashamed of. Florent's needs were small, for he had no expenses at his brother's. After a short time his life was as regular as a clock he worked in his attic two evenings taught little much two others from eight to nine spent one evening with lisa and the rest of his time with gavard and his friends at the restaurant his duties as a teacher at the mehudens were not especially easy but the old house pleased him the lower rooms were occupied by a man who sold cooked vegetables the sharp smell of which greeted him as soon as the door opened the mehudens occupied the whole of the second story the old mother would never consent to move notwithstanding the entreaties of her two daughters who wanted one of the new houses in the wide streets but all in vain she said she had lived there and there she would die she contented herself however with the dark room leaving the better chambers to claire and la normande the latter with the authority of an elder sister took the one overlooking the street which was really a fine room Claire was so displeased at this that she refused to occupy the adjoining one, which opened on the courtyard, and took as her own a sort of garret on the other side of the stairs. Herein, when she was displeased, she locked herself, and was deaf to all sounds from without. When Florent presented himself, the Mahoudins had just finished dinner. Much jumped into his arms, and when the shining oilcloth was wiped down, the lessons began on a corner of the table. La belle Normande greeted him warmly she knitted or mended under the light of the same lamp and often dropped her needle to listen to the lesson she soon had a great esteem for this man who was so well informed and was at the same time endowed with such angelic patience she did not think him in the least ugly now do please mamma push your chair farther back said the child angrily just see this blot by degrees she insinuated a few words against la belle Lisa she declared that she concealed her age that she laced so tightly she could not breathe and that the reason she always came down in the morning without a hair out of place was because she was so hideous and in and then she raised her arms above her head to show that she wore no corsets her figure was superb and every undulation was to be seen under her loose camisole the lesson was interrupted much was quite interested in seeing his mother lift her arms in this way florent laughed and thought women were strange creatures the rivalry of lisa and la belle normande amused him much in the meantime finished his copy florent set others on slips of paper he particularly affected the words tyrannical anti-constitutional revolutionary and he made the child copy phrases like these the day of justice will come when the hour strikes the guilty will fall He did this mechanically, merely setting down the ideas which were in his brain. He forgot much La Belle Normande and all his surroundings. Much copied everything, filling long pages with unconstitutional and tyrannically. At this time, Mother Mehuden was wandering around the table grumbling. She was by no means kindly disposed toward Florent. She said it was absolute folly to set the child at work at this hour, when children ought to be asleep in their beds she would certainly have shown the lank fellow to the door if her daughter had not fiercely declared that she would leave the house if she could not receive in it such friends as she chose nevertheless the dispute recommenced each evening i tell you said the old woman that he has a treacherous eye and then i never trust thin men he is as flat as a board he has no insides i do really believe she talked in this way because she saw how things were going she spoke with admiration of monsieur Lebigre, bigre who at this time was very gallant toward la belle normande he not only smelt a good dowry but he thought of her beauty which would be such an addition to his counter but la normande shrugged her shoulders and turned away when her mother persisted she said angrily let me alone will you i shall do as i please and going out of the room she slammed the door she abused the ascendancy she had acquired in the house, but her mother distrusted her to that point that when she heard a noise in the night, she crept to her daughter's door to ascertain if Florent were not there but Florent had a bitterer enemy even than she in the house as soon as he entered the room, Claire rose without a word, took a candle, and went to her own attic and There heard her lock her door with a snap one night, her sister asked the inspector to dinner, and Claire at hers in the passageway she sometimes was not seen for a week and when she came out her eyes were restless and suspicious as florent one evening was going away he passed claire's door which was wide open he saw her turn very red as he glanced at her this hostile attitude on her part saddened him and only the timidity he always felt toward women prevented him from asking an explanation he hesitated but catching a glimpse of mademoiselle saget's pale face looking down from the upper landing he went on he had not gone ten steps when he heard claire's door violently closed from that time mademoiselle saget declared that madame quenu's cousin had led both the mehuden women astray florent rarely thought of them except when they were before his eyes his manner toward women was that of a man who has never had any success with them he expended too much of his virility in dreaming he liked la belle normande in a friendly sort of way she was good-hearted even if she did allow her temper to run away with her sometimes but when she drew her chair close to him and looked over the book he held he was uncomfortable about her hair and skirts clung always a smell of the sea her magnificent figure and clear-cut features gave her the air of an antique statue which had been lying at the bottom of the sea and brought to the surface by some fisherman's net End of chapter 3, part 2